Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a filmmaker, he's a writer, and I think I've known him for 40 years. It's Jeremy O'Keefe, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to uh, talk to you, and I'm also excited to talk about this show today. Okay, we'll get right into it then, because you're here to talk about... Big the Musical. You can dance to God from Try It. I have to disclose before we get started something you have no way of knowing um, because the episode hasn't come out yet. The episode that comes out, I think tomorrow as we're recording, is about the musical version of Groundhog Day. And in that episode, I not extensively, but explicitly disparage this musical. (laughs) Great. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people scrolling through their feeds going, oh my, when they see this come up as the next, totally by coincidence, because I recorded that episode a while ago, and then like we set this up, and when you said you wanted to do Big, I went, of course you do, of course you want to talk about Big, why did I do that? So we'll start though, as I always do, with how did Big come into your life? Big came into my life... um, there's technically how it came into, and then I can also talk about why, mm-hmm. why I think it stuck to me, but we'll probably get to that. You probably have that planned. Um, big came into my life. Um, my friend, our mutual friend growing up, uh, Jeremy DePinto, his mom had a boyfriend who worked for Amtrak and we would be able to go up and see Broadway shows from the TKTS booth for, you know, 30 bucks. And we saw, um, kiss of the spider woman. We saw who's Tommy. Um, that's when I became like a Broadway kid back then. Um, and I remember being obsessed with Kiss of the, Sp- Kiss of the Spider Woman was like Cheetah Rivera and Tommy was this, these huge shows. And I remember when Big the Musical was announced, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. They're taking a movie and turn it into a musical? This is going to be terrible. I don't get it. I've never heard of Maltby and Shire. They didn't write <laughs> Miss Saigon. They didn't write Starlight Express. You know, I don't Actually, know who Richard Maltby did are. help write Starlight Express. <laughs> oh, that's right. Is he a lyricist? <laughs> he's a lyricist. Is he one of the, one of the lyricists? Oh, on well, he didn't. They, he didn't write Phantom. Right, there you go. <laughs> so, so um, I, I was, I, I, I was like, well, this is going to be dumb. I don't get it. How are they going to? Tom Hanks. This movie was just made. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks isn't doing it. I don't get it. And then. Um, my drama teacher growing up at, at my performing arts school, her, every summer her daughters would come up from Alabama um, and spend the summer with us. And I would basically move in to this house in, I don't know, it was by wherever Movies 10 was. What was that area Cinemark, New, uh, Newport. It was Newport area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they lived over there and the house had a pool with a, with a, with a, um, sli- you know, a, a spiral slide into it. And, oh, wow. you know, carpet on the walls and a tanning bed and, and there was a, there was a, uh, there had been a New York one 
VHS like hour special on the making of Big, mm. which tracked it from its pre-Broadway tour mm-hmm. into its Broadway opening. And we watched it, the me and uh, me and uh, the basically their sisters to me, Lauren, Jordan, mm-hmm. and Taylor. Um, and we watched it probably one million times. <laughs> we became obsessed with watching a show in the form. It was basically like a documentary about the making of the show. So we started to care, you know, our, the stakes were raised because we wanted it to be successful because we saw the struggle of the making. Mm-hmm. When, so, when something ends up, you know, it's one of those things where when even today, I remember they, um, I remember seeing a lot of uh, when uh, King Kong came out, you know, they did the, the I think the dual reviews mm-hmm. and smash it. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of people tweeting, like a lot of, you know, people on Broadway getting lick, and I think, and people tweeting, like, this is a fucking bullshit, you know, way to, way, way to approach the work that goes into something. Yeah. So watching, watching it go, you know, and this time I was also, you know, I started directing it when I was 11 I was or 12. Say, very young. <laughs> right. And this time I was, and this time I was probably 15 or 16. Right. So I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm really invested in, in, in what it takes to make something done. You and I were raised in the same theater where we, where, where, we knew what it took to get it done. And not only were we, did we see it happening, we were getting to contribute in the making of. So the stakes were always raised for us, no matter what the show mm-hmm. was. Um, so I think I related to it on that level. And I got to know all the players from the directing team for, uh, to how they found the cast, to the kids in it. And I, think, and I think the real thing that stuck to me was the fact that there were kids in it, real live mm-hmm. kids. It wasn't, for the first time in my life, I wasn't watching a bunch of orphans or a bunch of kids in some sort of French Revolution or Phantom in an Opera or a bunch of trains or, or, or a bunch of, or, or, or a spider woman. I was watching kids my age mm-hmm. going through the moment in life that I was going through. So it became, rather than a theater was an escape, it was a reflection for the first time. And I think that that was why I stuck to it. Because I was like, oh, I want to do this. Hmm. And these people are doing this and, and, and demonstrating or, or uh, demonstrating an emotional experience that I was very, very much in the middle of. I, was, I didn't want to grow up, but I wanted to grow up. I was afraid of growing up, but I knew that as operating as a director when you're young and as operating with as much confidence and power that that theater gave us, mm-hmm. that we could do whatever we wanted to do you know, in conjunction with our own parents and, 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 and our own uh, growing up. Um, I saw it as a very, it, it just really spoke to me. So it was very exciting to, to, uh, to sort of fall in love with the show. I mean, it spoke to every, I mean, just listening to it again right now to prepare for this. I was like this, I knew, I know every word to it. Well, and you saw it, didn't you? I saw it three times. I saw it three times. Oh my god! I saw it three times. What would happen is we would go up with, I'd go up with Jordan, Taylor, and Lauren and their mom, Kim, who was my mentor, my former drama teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would hang out and the kid, they, the show was at Schubert Theater. And between shows, the big kids, as they're called, would hang out in Schubert Alley. So mm. you could see um, Lizzie Mack, who played Cynthia Benson, and, and uh, Patrick, who, who played Josh, and Brett Talbot, I think, who was, who was nominated for Tony for playing his best friend. Um, you could see them just hanging out. And they, but they're like our age, just without, you know, and they would go in and then go to a Broadway show. And I was like, this is insane. This is incredible. These are real people, real kids. Mm-hmm. And they could go, they'd go right inside and do that. So we saw it once, Bad Seats. We saw the, um, uh, the under, Krista Moore. I never saw Krista Moore do it, I don't think. Krista Moore was nominated for the Tony for it. Mm. But 
someone named Stacy, someone I think had was basically her understudy and did most of the performances. I think after a certain point, after Big didn't win anything. Sure. Um, um, I only saw it after it lost everything. I think we then the second time I saw it is I had gone to. It was one of the times I I slept on the streets for rent tickets. So it was the 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 last time I slept on this on the street for rent tickets where we got there the Friday night before the Saturday show, slept on the streets Friday night, woke up, and then had to go and then got to go see the matinee for Big. <laughs> had someone holding my seat in line for rent. And then saw Rent that night again. And I, my friend, I took Tammy, I think, to see Big. And she was like, nah. She didn't, you know, we were there to see Rent. Which was like, obviously, Rent was the harder show. And here I am right. loving on Big. I remember, I mean, it's so funny because I had forgotten about you in this show until you said it. And then it, it unleashed this barrage of memories. Because right when this show came out, I want to pull out my artifact here that I yeah. have for you. We went to governor's school. Oh in Delaware together. And part of that uh, was Governor's School for Drama. You and I both went. And we part of that was we went to see a Broadway show, I guess on the Wednesday of the week, because it, it was definitely yeah. a matinee. And the show we saw was Sunset Boulevard, uh, which is the playbill that I'm holding in my hand. And right here on the on page whatever is the ad for Big, along with our notice that the, uh, the lead role will not be played by... Um, <laughs> by who was it? Who played the lead in Alan Campbell? Alan Campbell. Um, we didn't get to see Alan Campbell. We saw Betty Buckley do it, yeah. We saw Betty Buckley. Also, yeah. Alice Ripley. Alice Ripley. Um, yeah. Um, I had actually seen real quick. I actually saw Glenn do it first also. Well, that's the thing. is, I, I knew you had seen tons of shows because you also, in, in here also, is, is a, a, a real um, a notice that at this performance, the role of Hawkeye will be played by Peter Capetan. And... I remember sitting in the theater with you and you were just saying hog eye the way Glenn Close says oh. it on the cast recording, like over and over and over again. Yeah, hilarious. That, hog eye! Hog eye? Yeah. Hog um, Which is such a bizarre moment. But while we were walking through Times Square, there was obviously huge signs for Big. And we walked, you know, we're going to the... Um, the Minskoff to see Sunset Boulevard. So, you know, walking past the, the, in the neighborhood of the Schubert and like the big signs and you, the whole bus ride up, we're talking about big. I think you had it on your Walkman and you played for me at least, I want to go home. It was the only song that I like absolutely remember from this show. This is exciting. It's an adventure. I get to see some things that most kids never do. This guy just took a knife out of his shoe. I want to go home. The, the statement I made during the Groundhog Day episode was that movie musicals based on movies that are famous for a star turn are very tricky. And one of the things we talked about in the Groundhog Day episode was how the, the writers of that musical tried to eschew the Bill Murray of it all by changing the character and by altering the plot in some significant ways. Mm -hmm. But in, in, in this, you're dealing with the movie that made Tom Hanks a star, uh, a movie where the VHS box and, and, you know, and everything was in the DVD cover, I'm sure is just his face. Yeah, exactly. Right. Making that, that that, like, remember me from bosom buddies face. And that is, you know, this was the beginning of Tom Hanks here in 1988. And then, you know, we come eight years later and we're turning this star turn movie into a musical. 
And listening back to it, I actually thought I heard, uh, is it Dan Jenkins, Daniel Jenkins, who plays Josh, doing some Tom Hanks-esque stuff. Is that, okay, shaking your head. 1,000%. 1,000% he does. 1,000% 1,000% he does, he, he does a, a, a Tom Hanks impression okay. as the voice. But if you go back to listen to him starring in Big River, he still sounds the same. So I think casting found someone. Who I don't was, think he's doing an impression. I think they found Broadway's the right person who, had, who, who, could, who spoke like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Okay. So that is, that, that 100% is not me. Correct. Okay, yeah. I'm, not putting that, I'm not putting that on him. I want to uh, interject with sort of what you're saying here. Because I, sure. I, what you're saying is exactly goes along with my my sort of like what the hell is this going to be sort of thing and if you look at actually you know he wasn't nominated but krista moore was nominated and if you look at mm-hmm. um the mics my, my this is off of memory so you could t- completely be like no he was nominated but um i think she was nominated for the girl for susan and then brett mm-hmm. talbin was nominated for billy um yes. and the people that i related to in the story were more the big kids and Susan. Mm. I found that much more interesting because Susan was, Susan was, Susan's going through this journey of wishing she could be young again as I'm becoming an adult and wanting to stay a kid in real life. So I actually related sort of to this woman who is not wanting to be old. See, this is interesting to me that you say you didn't want to grow up as much as you did want to grow up it's a struggle that i do totally understand but you in my memory were always one of the adult kids in the room and i don't know if that's because you were directing things like you say from the age of 11 so you were kind of in charge of stuff we did you know shows we did and 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 various other like just you know group activities and things you 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 ran sections of that and that always struck me as somebody who who was gr- you know grown up before they were grown up so it's very interesting to me that you had this sort of yeah. dichotomy were you very conscious of it at the time i i i don't think i was until big the musical i think all of a sudden i was like oh shit i'm running out of time all of the stuff of like wanting to be big but there's but i still want to be but I still have, there's only a, a finite time in which I can be a kid. Sure. And that started to hit me after I did four years of like, I'm a grown up. Let me take care, of, take care of the world. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, wait a second. It was part of the reason why I chose to go to a, a for, for college, I went to North Carolina, Chapel Hill, instead of an NYU, because I was like, wait a second, I'm running out. I know what I want to do the, my entire life, mm-hmm. but I'm running out of time to do it without having without you know I'm, I'm i can be a professional the whole rest of my life but i can only be a kid for x amount of years so i want to make sure that i that i'm putting my eyes on that well that's a hilariously mature it's it's Is ironically crazy? mature decision though like it's funny because it's the like you're making the very mature decision to stay a child you know what i mean like you're not it, it, which is just such a it, you know yeah. it's, almost, it's almost like a paradox oh, i saw um, what josh baskin went through See, this is so funny because I, I always wanted to be an adult. Yeah. I, actually, I didn't want to be an adult. I wanted to be treated like an adult. It's one of the reasons I loved going to the Wilmington Drama League and something you and I have talked about before is that at this, the Wilmington Drama League, which is the community theater you and I both came up through, 
I felt like they treated the kids like adults, all the kids, no matter how old you were, you were treated like a professional from the moment you walked in the room, or at least a, a, a contemporary of the adults you're working with. And it did that thing that you want that to do, which is it, it made, I think, a lot of us act like adults. We, we, we rose to the, the way we were being treated. Uh, and so I always, and I wonder how much of this also is because you are the youngest of three boys and I am the oldest of three boys. Sure. And I wonder if like you having those older siblings, seeing them be adults pretty much. And like also being smart enough to know, like there's a difference between the way they were at 16 and the way they are at 20 and the way that, you know, going right. up like that. It gives you a sense of like, I want to be the young, but being the youngest, like I want to be a kid, like being a kid has these advantages and me being the oldest is always like, I want to get up and out and go. Like, I don't want to be a kid. I've got these two behind me. Those are the kids. I'm the adult. I think that's absolutely, I think you're absolutely correct there. You know, you're, you at 14 had your parents still having to deal with Roddy and Michael and, and me at 14, I was at dinner alone with my parents. Mm -hmm. So to me, we were, I mean, my relationship with my parents um, from 14 to, to now has been wildly different from my, my brother, older brothers who are, you know, 47 and 43 now took a lot longer for them to have a more uh, friendly relationship with my parents where we were just basically three, three adults hanging out at 14. I was directing shows, right? You know, I just needed them to give me a ride. You know, I just needed them to, 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 I needed one adult to drive my fake adult to the, to, to rehearsal. So that I could run a show. Right. Um, but like, otherwise you know, we were, I had, a, I had a job uh, in addition. Um, so in that sense, there was no, once I was 14, there were no children around. Mm hmm. Um, and well, and you had to, you had to keep dealing with, you know, get to your room and all that type of stuff. And so you were mm -hmm. never able to sort of step into adulthood, I guess, in the same way that I did early. I suppose. Well, I had to go, yeah, I had to go find it. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is like, I had to get out and go and be an adult. And one of the reasons I think that I was kind of a spaz in, in like 13, 14 was because I wanted everyone to, t it's that terrible, another paradox of wanting to be taken seriously. And so you act like an idiot and you're kind of like, nobody's taking you seriously. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is a funny little, I, I mean, it's so amazing that this, this musical and the story in this musical really hit you in that way at 16, especially like, which is a little bit old for that. I feel like you're, you're, but it's, it's great that it like kind of, and as all of us are like listening to rent and being moody emo kids like you're look it was it was my i'm surprised i talked about it so freely because it was my sort of embarrassing stepchild because i was a big big rent head mm. i you know you know i saw that show nine and a half times that's i would have i would have continued oh, wow. to see big i actually saw big when when the when it toured again i saw it three times because i worked at the playhouse the touring you know the, I, you know oh, yeah. the touring production was completely redone well, that's the what book, I've heard. Yeah. The book is completely different. They took out all the dancing. They took out all of the what I was sort of the heart of it for me. And mm. um, but anyway, but but for me, you know, to to have liked Big, I knew that I was being nerdy. I was I was ad admitting to a flop, to liking mm -hmm. a flop. Um, and and it was about the it was because I got to know them on the video and 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 and. The, the the bigger story, of course, being like I think I took a liking to it because of Susan Stroman. We were proud. Mm -hmm. to, we were, you know, she's a proud. Yes, we're we proud, were. We're proud of her in yes. Delaware. She had done stuff at Candlelight where I did shows. Did you do shows at Candlelight ever? I didn't do ever. Yeah, no, I never did anything. Um, at Candlelight. But um, 
I'd done a couple of shows there. I'd done Crazy for You there. Oh, which, wow. You know, which she had, of course, done on Broadway. Right. Um, and, my, and Mike Ockrent had done on Broadway. And Mike Ockrent was the director. Mm. And you, there was a time I... So what, it closed in October, right? Uh, yes. It closed in October. And I would say in June, I had written a letter to Mike Ockrent saying that I was a director and I wanted to see how Broadway directors directed and if there's anything... I just wanted, this is what I wanted to do with my life. And I wanted to see if it was something I wanted to see how different it was. And I dropped it off at the Schubert Alley stage door. And two months later, I received a letter back from him inviting me um, to shadow him or observe him on a Christmas carol at Madison Square Garden. Mm. And I think I wrote a letter back saying, great, uh, I have tickets to closing night, a big. <laughs> so I'm I'm not sure whether I so and he goes oh great so say hi when you're there right I, I don't I'm not sure I don't even I don't even know who I went to closing night with I might have gone I mean I had to have gone with someone because I couldn't have gone up to New York by myself could I have I don't know so I went up there and then after closing night I went introduced myself Mm-hmm. I walked up to him. I was just like, "Hey, I'm Jeremy. I'm gonna observe you in a couple months on at at a, on a at a at Madison Square Garden, a Christmas Carol." And um, and he was very nice. But to me, that was sort of like, you know, it was a sort of like asking and asking ye shall receive, which you know we're we're having, which is having its own sort of, you know, come up and stirring all of this sort of privilege stuff that's happening these days. But the idea of believing that you could walk up to someone, ask for what you want, and get it, mm-hmm. was sort of like. I had a, I've had a hard reckoning with later on in my adult career because, you know, I was off to a really, really sweet start with like just basically getting every opportunity that I put myself up for mm-hmm. is what it felt like. So, you know, I had then developed a relationship with Mike and then, and then therefore on, I mean, big just has this special, real special place for, for, for in me for a lot of reasons. Well, so what was it like observing him doing Christmas Carol? So it was Christmas Carol at Radio City. At Madison Square Garden. Is where at Madison Square, it. sorry. Yeah, Jeez. and it was, um, they would do it, through, it would, they do it, it was, it was a yearly production. Mm. So the first mm-hmm. year I, they, I did it, um, some, of the, some of my Scrooges, I did it for three years. I'd go up there, I went up there for three years, and then he passed away. Right. He died, he died of uh, leukemia, I think. Yeah, in 99. Um, and he and Stroh were married. Right. Um, and who, I was Tony Randall and... Tony Randall was one of the Scrooges. Um, Roger Daltrey was one of the Scrooges. Oh my gosh! And I forget who the, uh, who the last who the last Scrooge was. But you know, I remember I got him coffee and I just sort of sat around and watched things. I went the first time I went was early rehearsals in one of those big rooms that you always see in like the Chorus Line documentary, right? Um, and then it was, and then. Um, and then we then we did tech, and then I went up and did a tech rehearsal at uh, Madison Square Garden. I don't know. I remember Tony Randall talking to me about the neighborhood play, playhouse, and um, I really connected to Lisa Shriver, who is Stroh's associate choreographer, and she and I actually oh, okay. remained in touch for years. Oh wow! Um, and basically, what I saw was it was the same type of work. Was, Mike was mm-hmm. very relaxed. He was very friendly. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't an intern. I wasn't a PA. I remember getting my coffee, but it wasn't like sure. I wasn't. I mean, I was there just to watch, and I was only there for you know, four, three or four days each each time. Mm-hmm. But it was really, 
it was really I don't, cool to see. It was just sort of like, yep, yeah, that's how you, that's how we do it. That's how they do right. it. Bigger budget. I mean, that, that's the thing. Doing, doing, you know, working in this career now is everything. The, the biggest thing I can say to someone who's a teenager or twenty year old is like, no one knows anything more than they do now. They just have more resources to figure it out. Right. I love to see, like, I was in editing room for uh, uh, Major Crimes, and I remember putting together wrestling, my first film, and my computer would always crash when I'd be, when I'd be uh, trying to export, uh, <laughs> export, export a video file, and, I, and I, I'm in this editing suite in this major TNT TV show, and the, you know, the computer crashes while I was exporting, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's it. And that's sort of like, uh, Christmas Carol was sort of my first entry into, it's the same stuff that we're doing. There's just more money, more people doing it. So there's, there's, a, there's a moment I want to get to, but I want to I I hold on to it for a second. But listening to it now, I mean, how long has it been since you listened to it? Uh, so I, I, prob- I put it on my... I told you I wanted to do it because I think I put it on my phone recently. Oh, okay. Again, so I was, it was back in, back in my... Uh, in my I think it's because I had seen Lauren Cantrell, Lauren, who, who we, we had grown up together. Mm-hmm. I saw her. Um, we had done a we had done a, a Zoom FaceTime during the quarantine, and I was like, "Oh, we we're talking about we were talking about our experiences." Um, so that was it, was it was fresh in my mind again. I hadn't listened to it all the way through in forever, but you wouldn't have guessed with how I know all, every single note. <laughs> um, but I was like, "Oh, yep." I pl- and I then I after we agreed to do that, after you asked me to to participate, I then listened to it a couple weeks ago, and then I listened to it again. A lot more today in this, this past couple of days. But so, what did you? Was there anything that took you off guard, or is it just so in your marrow that it's like this thing? Oh my gosh! Like oh my it? gosh! It's, I mean, I, I, I mean, everything that took me off guard took me off guard. Then, I mean, oh, the, okay. I mean, this is a bunch of old people trying to sound like kids. So right. they use the word "awesome" as every other lyric. <laughs> so there are a couple of things going. This isn't me. They're like awesome, awesome, awesome. I mean, they talk about CD-ROMs which is really mm-hmm. cool, so dated. You know, there's like a, there, there's a line in Stars where it's like floating in a warm kind of funk. That's nasty. Um, but I think there's a sort of this like, it's like best effort. Now I wanna, I wanna do a sidebar to sort of tell you like, my favorite movies aren't what I consider to be the best movies ever made. Oh, sure. They're just, they're just sort of the pieces that were sort of in dirt that are sort of, that helps your sort of becoming that mm-hmm. helps your, your own journey. So my favorite movies are raising Victor Vargas, the dangerous lies of Walter boys, um, uh, Billy Elliot. Mm-hmm. So, so the, so, so the, 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 the bind there is adolescence and coming of age. So the, the, the thing that of course then binds us to big is this idea of growing up in childhood. Um, and, and, and the murky space, the, 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 the warm funk floating space in between it all. So <laughs> I think that like, like to me, there was a, there's a appreciation of like, of the in-betweenness of the, of the lyrics of, of they're not that, you know, I think, I don't, I don't think, I think appropriately his lyrics aren't that sophisticated. Um, and, and, and her lyrics are. But also, mm-hmm. she sort of teeters around, trying to be like, "Ooh, I'm I'm being awakened as a kid." I just thought it's, I just think it's really sort of it's earnest. It is earnest, and it's earnest, and it's and it's and it's best intention. If you watch this New York One video, Pat, you, you're going to see that there's no assholes who are making it. Sure, you know, 
um, they all, they, they, the excitement around, and that's one of the things I remember is like, anytime I'm, I, I, like, like that, like that King Kong reveal, I was like, those people, hopefully, maybe not Spider-Man turn off the dark, but like, I imagine, like, there should be good energy going into something. If there's good energy going into something, who am I? to judge whether it should be made or not. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that you, you've mentioned it a couple of times. I've talked about it on this show before. Like The, the King Kong inner, like review, and I put that in quotation marks, is one of the most reprehensible things I've ever seen in right. my entire life. And I kind of got what, I don't know if you remember this. This was like seven years ago. Do you remember when Alec Baldwin got huffy at Ben Brantley for his review of, he was doing that play with Shia LaBeouf Oh, right, 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 and right. He took umbrage with the fact that Ben Brantley said that whatever they were doing, I don't exactly remember the quote, but the thing he took umbrage with was that they shouldn't have tried. That what they were doing wasn't worth trying. And he took umbrage with that. Now, I, he then wrote this op-ed, which is a little odious in itself, like to, to complain about, you know, review you got in the, in the right. Times. Um, it's not a great look. But I think his point was well taken, that it is there's a dismissiveness to certain reviews that I find to be frustrating because it's clear you started writing it before you walked in the room. And we all do that. We all make, you know, we all have preconceptions about the things we're going to see. And, and especially if you're, you're seeing something called big, the musical, you're going to have your first thought. I think your first thought, my first thought, most people's first thought was probably really, you know, like, is that really what we're, right. we're, we're doing here today? Um, and so I, I think that there is this sort of, we want as people who create, but also I think as people who consume to give everything a fair shot and to give it the, the, the choices that it's due. Now you also do need to hold it to, to a standard. You need, you know, sure. that doesn't mean you're going to give it a good review. I don't think everything should get a good review, but there's a difference between there's good reviews, bad reviews, and then there's just like badly written dismissive reviews or even badly written good reviews, which don't, you know, you kind of wonder who is this in service of, who is this helping, who is this for? And, but reading the reviews of, of this, the sort of ones I could, I could quickly. What were they? Yeah. What were they? They weren't bad. They were just not good. Um, Yeah. And they, they sort of end up being a very like, yeah, it, it's, it is what it is kind of show. Like, it's not that great. It's not, but it, it, it's not offensive, but it doesn't really do anything. Well, and who's then, the audience, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the big, that it becomes the big question. But the reviews of the tour um, that you just talked about, which was directed by Eric Schaefer uh, and, and you know, completely redone and actually started in Delaware, I'm now seeing, um, began in September 97 in Wilmington, Delaware, I guess at the Playhouse. Yeah, um, where I was an usher. Where you were an usher. Uh, was largely positive. Uh, the reviews of the of the rewrite and the tour were very positive, and it did very well on the road. Now, the face you're making and the comment you made earlier about how you thought they, I changed it for the worse for the for the road is something I'm interested in talking to you about. What did they What did they change about it that you think maybe got it better reviews, but took some of out what you love out of it? Well, I think what they did is they you know so. One of the things that basically Stroman, Susan Stroman had had this group of kids that danced through the entire show that are sort of like the energy of like, they're almost like the Greek chorus. Mm-hmm. What, but Greek chorus, if I recall correctly, not necessarily in verse, but in, in dance. 
Okay. So there's this there's this burst of energy, and there you know she does what she does with her 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 soda straws, making the sounds like she was doing like and you know she loves to use props to make the noise, yes. the yes, choreography, yes. and she and she was you know there is this burst of energy which I think kids can relate to, but adults are like, what is this? This mm. is pop music, mm-hmm. you know. This is like it was music that doesn't quite fit into what adults were used to going. Did, I don't know what was what's the frame of reference. I know Kiss the Sweater Woman had been a movie, but at that point, were there a ton of well, this movies is the, that were turned into musicals at the time? There have always been. This has always been a thing. I mean, it's the okay. you know li, li, a little night music is based on a movie. Um, right. Sunset Boulevard, obviously. Oh based right, on a movie. right, 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 um, right. But something but I, had been so current. It felt so current. The, I think. I think it's. It was so. I mean, it was only eight years old. That's pretty. It new. came out. It came out too early. It came, yeah. had, it, had it come out. As much as more retro, or it had been more of like a throwback to its time. I think I think that I remember thinking that at the same time. I remember going, "This came out too soon. It came out at the wrong time. It came out the wrong season." <laughs> bringing the noise, bringing the funk. Uh, well, rent. Uh, it opened you know, the day uh, rent. before rent. I mean, it is really right. the thing of like of the world suddenly was moving in a different direction. Also, rent was very, right. like, rent was anticipated. Rent had run off Broadway to big like people knew rent and it really comes into it, it. Yeah, you're right. It comes into the wrong world. I also don't know that it's a Broadway show. That's the thing that I like, I wrestle with a lot with shows being like, you talk about the expectations, you talk about what you're coming into. Right. Like, I feel like, especially in the mid nineties, I mean, we're coming off of the late eighties British invasion, like you say, of Miss Saigon, Les Mis, Phantom, these very serious, earnest, but seriously earnest shows. The musical comedy isn't really a thing, you know, and, and like right. Crazy for You tried to it was heralded as the great return of the American musical comedy, but it didn't turn out to be true. It it's sort of like there was no follow up for that. And we continue to meaning 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 that there was nothing, sorry to interrupt, but meaning that nothing else took its place, but it was a hit, yes, right? It was exactly right. It, yeah. it, it was sort of on its own. It was an anomaly. Yeah. People, when it came out, it was hailed as like, this is it. Like, we, we did it. America's back. Right. And then they weren't, uh, partially because that is ostensibly a jukebox musical. Like, I, it wasn't a, sure. you know, and then the Original. next big, big American musical is Rent, which is not funny. So... <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's a lot of things. It is not funny, hey, at least not intentionally. Think, think twice before you poo-poo that, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. It does have. I will say there are great jokes in Rent, but it is not yeah. funny. It is. It is yeah. largely not funny. And I think the musical comedy got a bad rap and was entering into this phase. We weren't there yet, but it was heading into the producers where musical comedies then had to become self-referential and being like, isn't it silly that this is a musical? And that was a form that dominated for a decade up through like Book of Mormon. You know, like that was all we could do with musical comedies. And I think at some point we came around a little bit um, and sort of came back again. And now you can have musical comedies like The Prom, which was just, you know, it didn't run forever, but it was a success and and is a a successful show. but like, if you you look at a long, I, I think it's so easy to be dismissive of movies based musicals based on movies, and some of them, you know, it, it, it's just a it's a bad knock that I think these things get, especially comedies, and some of them are great, you know, in their own. Some of them aren't, but some. Of, but every time one fails, I think that's always like the first, like, well, they can't make. You know, it was a movie. You know, it's a musical based on a movie. Why? Like, how could you right. do that? It, you know. 
it also seems, well, I think you hit the nail on the head completely. It was the wrong musical for the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, so it's hard to really tell how it would have, and whether it should have been on Broadway. I think, you're, I think you're really right in that sense. All those things crossed my mind. Um, it also, but it didn't seem like, I think the, the challenge now when it comes to Broadway musicals, it, movies and musicals, the criticism is that they just seem, they seem a little bit lazy after Disney took over, right? Mm-hmm. After Disney took over, it was like, hey, how can we just get another revenue stream for the same product? Right. And I think that that sort of put, you know, for some traditionalists or some, you know, um, it, that, that puts a bad stink in the mouth. You all of a sudden feel, you feel like you're being used almost for more mm-hmm. money as opposed to being offered um, a piece of, a piece of art or a story to, to a story to experience. So I think that some, you know, I think I certainly feel like, why do I have to go see this like that? Um, why do I, and that's probably, that was definitely my, my showing into my, um, my impression going into watching that New York one mm-hmm. you know, documentary about, or, you know, uh, hour long about how, how big was made. I was like, Oh shit, this is different. I wonder how much of the the experience of watching Big the Musical and connecting with it influenced you as a as a creative artist because you're you're you, the the two that I mean the the two features you've made wrestling and and somewhere slow deal with these ideas of people kind of transitioning into phases of life between two in 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 some cases naturally and actually in one case naturally and in one case unnaturally and it's it it seems to be something that you're you're interested in because this music and it's interesting with connected to big because big is about someone literally transitioning like into <laughs> into a, a right. like uh, against their will almost and then choosing to to go back and do it the right way if, and if, is that yeah so is that something you, you uh, no absolutely and, and wait and, and wait till you read the scripts that haven't been produced yet pat <laughs> it's the same thing over and over and over again <laughs> i'm fascinated with i'm fascinated with how we look at the things we've experienced mm-hmm. after we've experienced them mm-hmm. what we take them for so uh, uh the, the 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 one that i'm you know trying to make now has to deal with has to deal with having made something and then feeling regret for it and wishing you could change it and having to learn that you just have to make a different choice next time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, it's dealing with, it's dealing with, um, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's dealing with, you know, I think change, like, a, like probably a lot of projects, a lot of projects deal with, but it's, it is dealing with, um, a lot of it's about embracing, um, you know, what, what 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 did I watch when Robin Williams died? What did you watch? Hook. You watched Hook. That's that's what I spent that night watching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my experiences are you could say am I am I a, am I a Peter one of the do I Peter Pan syndrome? Um, no. Uh, yes. Yes and no. No. I yeah, this is what happens. I remember Andrea Parthmore and I was and I was when I was directing Here's Love at the Wilmington Drama League. I was like gossiping with her. I was 17, gossiping with her about something, some dumb stuff that was happening in high school. And then all of a sudden my set designer called and I took the phone call and all of a sudden sounded like an adult for five minutes. Then got off the mm-hmm. phone and started gossiping again. You know this. When, 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 when you can be an adult and a kid at the same time, you learn you don't have to choose. Right, so I've, right. I've both never grown up and have been grown up since I was 12. So I'm interested in, in 
in that experience and, and, and going, why do I have to become something else? Can I be all of it at all times? And I think that that, I think that that, that's clearly why that musical speaks to me, or maybe that musical sort of helps sort of understand, help me understand myself to some degree. It was like, you can, you don't have to turn into something else. Right. It's about finding, yeah, it's about finding the balance. I mean, between right. that remembering that you are all these people. I think that's the, and I'm, yeah. 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 I, 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 I'm not 24 uh, managing a lamp store in South Carolina, you know, because I think that that's what I should be doing. At the same time, I've also, it's been very easy in this city. You don't have to, in Los Angeles, you don't have to grow up. Right. I'm not married and I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that has changed since I was 16 <laughs> is that I, I've, I've been able to furnish my own apartment. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but, but my, my day-to-day, my day-to-day responsibilities have not felt like they've changed. I've just, I've just become, I've just actually begun to fill the shoes that I've always worn or fill, in, fill into the suit that I've always put on as if I could wear it. Now I can just wear it a little bit easier because I've had experience. And my therapist, my therapist, um, who I haven't seen in six years or four years, sent me a... Um, <laughs> Can you still call them your therapist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 sent me an email uh, for my birthday this this year, and I said, "How long did it take you? How long did it take you? Or how what? How hard was it for you to say you'll just understand when you're older? To to prevent yourself from going and get what Mm. you're going through, but to sit there and go, you'll just get it when you're older." Mm. And there's a lot of things that I just sort of now go, "Oh, this is who you thought you were, and now it just now it just really is you." Um, but I never, but I've always. (laughs) But I've always fought off becoming what a grown-up is supposed to be. What's interesting to hear you talk about what you were taking away from from Big, the musical, and then what you're sort of coming into with this idea of adulthood is how this both the movie and the musical of Big sort of skip over some of the scarier, weirder parts of his, this harsh transition into adulthood i mean i think in the movie there's a scene where he's like at the bus stop and he like starts crying because he's just so scared you know and in the the but in the musical that's dealt with in the song i want to go home which is a sad song but ultimately kind of a comedic one and it one of the the sort of issues i had listening to this and listening to it a few times before we talked to each other was that some of the weirder or more interesting adult transition moments are handled in ways that I found they were just, they were so delicate. They were so very, very delicate. And the big one that comes up to me that really threw me off because I totally forgot about it is I want to know. Right. And is the song, which is, well, can you tell the audience what happens in I Want to Know? Yeah, I, I, want, I want to know is, is, is the song when, so when Susan and Josh, adult Josh, and Susan, who's the love interest, um, are going on a date again. I think they get together again after, after their, first, their first date with the, where they sing Stars, where he shows her stars. Right. And then, um, and then they have sex. But, but, but 13-year-old Josh... Baskin comes out and sings this song. I want to know what love is in falsetto in a in a you know white spotlight. Girls smell like girls. Women wear perfume. That's one of their female glories. What 
do I do when I'm in her room? I just think I want to know. I've heard the jokes, seen the magazines, laughed when all my friends told stories, talked all the talk. I don't know what it means. Later, later, you realize that it's some sort of weird form of statutory rape that's happening. It is, um, yes. which which is a which is which is a bizarre was a bizarre twist. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, also like I mean, it goes back to I mean that relates to the movie relates to which mm-hmm. then relates to which then takes me to Leah Thompson, Leah Thompson's bosoms in in Back to the Future, like yes. all of her own. All you know that goes to our own eighties. 80s uh, attraction to to soft pillowy breasts from 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 80s movies from Leah Thompson Elizabeth Shue from from uh, who's the girl is it Perkins is Elizabeth yeah, Perkins Elizabeth the Perkins one in, big? in, in the movie yeah, Elizabeth yeah. Perkins the whole the whole sexuality and that's what it, all that sort of like connects us back to well, and also this this, sort of that same desire there's also this weird weird super masculine kids masculine version of sex and of it being like how like you know going even from like earlier in the 80s like pretty and pink and stuff and like the the trophy of the girls panties and like things like that right. like these really gross things that sure. were just in these romantic comedies and was viewed i remember seeing some kind of like interview people talking about big and, and uh, the movie and talking about how sweet that that scene is where he wants to leave the lights on and me being like whatever age being like oh yeah that's nice and then later being like he's 13 like it's right. this, this is, is this is weird and then what it really made me want to do, want to see no one's ever going to do this but i really 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 want to see a sequel to this story i want to see because one thing i have always thought about big is what happens when josh grows up and looks like tom hanks and mercedes right. rule as his mother realizes one day that the guy who abducted her kid (laughs) is her her kid. Like she realizes they look the same. How is she going to process that? And then also like, what does he do when he becomes an adult? Does he go out and find Susan and she's 20 20 years older than him? him? Yeah. And like, what is that whole thing about? And like, what kind of life is she? It's, it's a really, it's almost, I'm so much more interested in what happened to these characters 20 years later. Well, that I look, ever look, look, look. <laughs> yeah. That, that's your that's your uh, um, uh, what is it the 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 sequel Doll's House two, right? I would love you, to. Oh my I, god, it was so if much you if to do you, this. but if you did the off Broadway version of 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 Mercedes Rules experience, a Mercedes available. B, <laughs> um, 
I think that would be fucking fascinating. Isn't it fascinating to think about? Like the, and what's so, but tying it back into the song and into I Want to Know, what it really did for me this time was put such a fine pin on what's weird about that moment. And I think it's a bold theatrical choice. It's a, it ends up making me feel kind of gross, which is why I describe it as delicate, because there's a way to do it that I think is perfect. And maybe they did. And just in the recording, it just strikes me as odd. But like, it, it goes to the truth of that moment, that this is a 13-year-old boy, not sure. a man who we've seen. And it's a thing that musicals can do so beautifully is, is take us out of the scene for a moment and put us hyper-focused into this person's mind. Yeah. I think, you know, what I'm picking at, and what I, I love hearing how your, your experience with it now, because everything that you're saying, but for a 13-year-old boy, it's the shit. Yeah, it's absolutely. what you want to be watching. All of a sudden, 100%. you can put yourself... So this, this, what, where, this, where the movie fails, where the musical fails, is that sometimes it's for the thir- this singular 13-year-old boy who's in the audience. Mm. Sometimes it's for, some numbers are for the adults. Some numbers are for the fans of the movie. Fun, the, the, the big piano song is the worst song in the musical. It's what they did at the Tonys. It's the worst one of them all. Fun, it's got a rhythm, a sound. Fun, and when a rhythm gets found. Spread it around. Fun will follow the leader. Starting when I was one. Right. What I wouldn't give to be a kid and have fun. Follow me. Fun. It's when they start a parade. Fun. It's a piano you play. Fun. It takes me back to first grade. It exists in moments for every single person in the audience, but not cohesively, perhaps, for anyone but. The, the 13 year old 15 year old 16 year old boy who's afraid of growing up mm-hmm. so but i look at that moment and go you know compared to what you said about like i don't know judge reinhold losing trying to lose her virginity or the caddyshack movies or any of these things that you're right where sex was this thing to be gotten and for a sensitive boy who ends up being gay for me to see a 13 year old boy nervous and vulnerable Mm-hmm. And not trying to not trying to go into the into the the back room at classic video and find the porn videos and talk about porn tapes. All of a sudden, I can sort of see or go up, you know, go up to an addict for your piano teacher, and um, and and all of a sudden you see and you get to see this thing that you that is you. I'm I'm nervous. I want to do. I want to play cool, mm-hmm. but also this is I could never imagine this experience being so uh, this 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 thing that's so real to me and also it's all consuming obviously as a as a sexual being as you're coming into your sexuality um i'd never i'd never been more seen before and i think that that's why i think that that's why so maybe maybe as a 15 or 16 year old seeing that you might have gone oh there's some actually there was some like representation finally for little white boys. <laughs> I don't know on Broadway. <laughs> the thing that we've the thing that we've finally, needed finally, finally, finally. <laughs> Oliver <laughs> just didn't quite cut it. Didn't make it. No, we have no connection with Victorian orphans, but, no. but hor- horny suburban teens. But horny, so horny suburban We're teens all from, over from that. Out, just outside of New York just City. I got it. Outside of New York. There we go. <laughs> we found it. We found our show. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's it's such an interesting point because it 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 does really it it begs the question that I keep asking this and you've asked it here about the show too is it is it who is it for and if yeah. it's for 
the 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 youthful side of us let's not even say for kids but for the youthful sure. side of us for remembering that like being a kid because so much of, of josh's success both in the musical and in the movie is just because he's a kid and he asks the obvious kid questions right and the adults don't do that. They think of things like adult, you know, they think like adults and he teaches Susan's it's very well in the musical. It's much more explicit to act like a kid, to remember what right. it's like to be a kid. And I do like the fact that in the musical, she sort of drives him to go back more than in the movie mm. where it's much more like she figures out what's going on and she's angry justifiably. I'm not saying that's wrong, but <laughs> it is a real, like she, she, help because she's the adult in the room she helps him make the decision because he's a kid yeah. and she just sort of yeah. goes like no you need to go back like this you can't stay here and i i like that he has then taught her you know he has you see that thing in her where it's like yes you've made me better i feel better with you but you are a child and you really need to go home and it, it, it is a lovely, lovely little moment. But I think when this show falls flat is when it tries to be mature. Sure. You know, you just pointing out the, what happens with, um, I'm, 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 I'm exposed. You just pointing out what happens in the relationship between Josh and Susan and what happens at the end is basically like, if you were to describe that and you were to describe somewhere slow. I realized that just as you were saying it. Yeah. I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, interesting. I had a, uh, about, about a year ago, um, about a year ago, uh, I, as I tell you at the beginning that I, that I relate more to Susan, um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, somewhere slow is based on my relationship, one of, one of my relationships inspired in, in part by mm-hmm. one of my relationships with my, one of my first boyfriends. Um, but I made for, for marketing purposes and because I was still, you know, moments of my sexuality and unsure whether I, as a gay man, I could be that vulnerable and I was allowed to show that on screen. Um, I, I made the woman, I made the character rather than a 25 year old boy, I made her a 40 year old woman, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, gets into this relationship with this 18 year old boy. Um, but uh, about a year ago, I basically had like a, a weak fling with some, someone out here, some sort of younger model. And, um, I call my parent, my parents, parents are like, what's wrong? And I was like, well, I basically told them I was sad about the plot of the movie that of the movie that has been recently released. And I was basically going through the same <laughs> thing over and over. I was like, well, I just had a, you know, 10 day romance with someone now it's over and I'm not quite sure what to feel, but that's what big is. That's mm-hmm. what somewhere slow is. That's mm-hmm. what, you know, to some degree drunk John, a movie I'm trying to make right now is to some degree of like, what are these moments and can, can these, can these moments where someone comes into your life, how can, how can you pull what you need from them and not have them define the rest of your life? I suppose not have them be something you have to, you have to then make your entire story about. Right. Um, which is interesting. You're right. How does Josh go on knowing that for two weeks or whatever he spent, he spent as a 30 yeah. year old having sex with a woman and then goes back, has to go back and go to high school and go to prom. Right. What does Susan Basking do? I mean, she has, you know, not Susan Basking, Susan do go and Susan mm-hmm. Lawrence, I think. Go, what, what does she go to, uh, how how does she, what's her what is that next therapy appointment? I was I was literally you know? gonna say that. I was literally gonna yeah. say, like, what is she talking about in therapy on Monday? I'll bet I know. Except yeah. you don't yeah. because she can't say <laughs> I've been having a relationship yeah. with a 13 year old and I didn't know, you know, her therapist right. isn't gonna buy that for a second. Yeah. Nor should they. Um, you would, I would love it if you dig into big two. 
I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, TM, TM me, big two. I'll, you get first yeah. look. We'll, we'll, I'll write up big two. Because yeah. uh, I am genuinely fascinated in like what happens to these people tomorrow. It's that whole like, yeah. it's the act two of Into the Woods. It's just like, all that romantic stuff is fine, but like now we're in it. Like now we right. have trauma. Let's deal with the trauma. Right, 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 right. That's what I do. I, I somewhere, I, I, all of my stories are like, let's get us to the point where we know that it's the moment. I, I always like to say my own stories that I write are the moments before their lives really change. Mm-hmm. So um, leading us up to, well, they're, they're going to be more equipped in some sort of way to deal with life better than they could have before this moment had happened. It's just like, it, I don't know. I think it's like, if you look at Stop Time, it's this beautiful, beautiful ballad about a mom wanting to freeze time, which I'm sure as a, as a father, you felt before. Then he's too such a little man So alive and so smart Again you say, stop time, stay this way but the future calls and he can't stay nobody warns you of this parents paradox you want your kid to change and grow but when he does another child you've just begun to And so you're right. Who's this for? And then there's then there's like, there's this beautiful ballet, skate ballet. I think that we, I think Big was onto something, and we as a as a as people were trying to fit into our own, stay in our own lanes, afraid to color outside of the lines. And Big the Musical is enough for everybody. <laughs> as we wrap up, I, I always like to ask my guests at the end, "What is your favorite song?" Dancing all the time. I was 12 and alive. I thought nothing ahead could hurt me. Ah, and there's yeah, this great, there's tracks. this great, there's this great, um, cause this is me at 16, afraid of getting older. Sure. I, th- I feel like she's living in this moment. She knows she can't stay in. Mm. She sort of lets go. And then that song moves into the sex song. This, the sex scene, right. that song, I think on the album, it's, it's one track. It might, it might not be one track, but it, it bleeds, it, the but, it bleeds, bleeds but it bleeds into yeah. it. This moment mm-hmm. where she's having this moment and then, you know, then, then the falsetto, um, happens and um, to me, those those moments are really. It feels um, it feels like those like a real like a real authentic moment of allowing yourself not to feel um, uh, trapped in whatever circumstances you are actually in. And, and going back to what somewhere so is about, what wrestling is about to some degree, these experiences that we have are always with us where I think sometimes we think, Oh no, that was when I was a kid or that's when, Oh, wouldn't be fun to be in college again. Those were great. But those times are over. It's like, no, those times are also actually part of us. Mm -hmm. So I think that I think in speaking to, I don't want to be someone who's done with that part of my life. That's what, you know, I have uh, my, my relationships go back to, um, you know, you, which is Mm -hmm. is, a week apart. Lauren Bailey, who is, I was talking to last week, grew up uh, across from Mandel West 11th street. She and I talked last week. My friendships have been strong with the people that I've known my entire life. I've mm-hmm. held on to them and I brought, I brought them with me. You don't meet a lot of people like that. you you don't meet a lot of people who have the same um, depth of like, it's important to me to, to 
to stay in touch with people because it's also tracking my own existence and experiences. I want them all to have mattered. I want mm-hmm. them all to have been there and I want to all, I want to you always be operating from them, I suppose. But it also, to what you said, to what you said as a, as a, from the writer standpoint is to be self-aware is I've also lived most of my entire life observing everything mm-hmm. that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of our job as a storyteller, right? As we go, I'm picking, I'm understanding, I'm trying to understand behavior. I'm, I'm, I'm capturing this. Ooh, this is a great moment. What does this feel? How will this make other people feel? Like just sort of go to live through life, figuring out what is my responsibility? How can I pull from this and then, and then use it in a mm-hmm. responsible way? Not, 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 um, you know, taking people's experiences and exploiting them, other people's experiences and exploiting them, but sort of figuring out how can this all be part of the the quilt, I suppose, of my experience on life. On sure. Life. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to stop. That's a, yeah. that's a wonderful point. Where can people uh, find you, find you and your stuff? Oh, geez. I don't have a website. I don't have, I have my film somewhere slow on Amazon prime. It'll be there for another nine years at least until, until the deal's renewed. All right. Um, they closed the Silver Spoon Diner, so we can't they, find you they there. Closed, they closed the Silver Spoon Diner. I'm a, I'm around, like you know, I'm going to be in Delaware a bunch next year, working on this documentary series. Where, where, um, uh, you know, I have a bunch of stuff in development. I have a production coming out here, uh, developing a, a, an unscripted show about bourbon. I am uh, uh, three features that are basically at various stages of developing, hoping to pull the trigger on one. Mm. Some writing projects, but you know, otherwise I'm just in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. You'll probably see me around the reservoir, right. walking around, walking around, walking around Los Feliz. Sure. Uh, li- listening to Pod Save America. Find me on Instagram. I need some more oh, followers. Oh, there we go. Where can people find you on Instagram? Jeremy O'Keefe. There you are. Super At easy. Jeremy O'Keefe. There you go. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It was great to see you. I was 12 and alive Nothing stopped me from dawn till bedtime Dancing lessons, cheerleader too Getting A's, nothing I couldn't do I was running all the time I was dancing all the time I had Nothing ahead could hurt me Plunging forward, worse that could be Couldn't phase indestructible me I was laughing all the time I was dancing all the time I had all the time In the world The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at UnknownPenguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Jeremy O'Keefe for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 